Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's in the 14th chapter, and the first verse of our reading sets the scene for what will follow. Jesus has been invited into the home of a prominent figure, a Pharisee, a prominent religious leader of his community. And what follows throughout chapter 14 are four different scenes that are all set around the table in that Pharisee's home. Today, the lectionary invites us to visit the second and the third scenes of that dinner. So, friends, let us continue listening now for a word from God. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, he said, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. For although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon title is Peanut Butter and Jelly, Leftover Soup in the Kingdom of God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, humble us this day that Though the meal we are sometimes given might feel meager, it might instead fill us in a way no meal before has. Nourish us, O God, in this place with your word afresh, that it might feed us and nurture us for this life of faith. We pray these things, O God, because we know with you they are possible. For you and you alone are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. There was once a rabbi who was suddenly overcome with a sense of humility before God's magnificent creation. And so he threw himself before the altar of the temple and cried out loud, saying over and over, I am nobody. I am nobody. The cantor, observing the rabbi from the rear of the synagogue, was so moved by the rabbi's humility and devotion 
that he too joined the rabbi at the altar, crying out loud, saying over and over, I am nobody, I am nobody. And then the janitor, sweeping the floors and the hall, heard the cries of the two religious men, and similarly moved by their devotion, also joined them at the altar, crying out out loud, saying, I am nobody, I am nobody. At which point the cantor turned to the rabbi and indicating to the janitor said, look who thinks he's a nobody. Today's gospel lesson is a cautionary tale. If the scene that we have just read from this Pharisee's house strikes you as familiar, it is for a reason. Because although the attire and menu have perhaps changed over the generations, the ingredients of an affair like this one are the same today as they were back then. Food, booze, and schmoozing. Now we may be tempted as we read this story to judge these assembled guests for their attempts to vie for the place of honor at the table. But we need to remember two things before we judge them too harshly. The first is that their behavior in this scene at the time of Jesus would have been understood to be completely acceptable and customary. It was the custom of the time that those with more authority, more money, more power would be seated close to the host. And those who did not have money or authority or power would be seated far away. The other reason, though, I think we need to be careful before we judge these guests is because, frankly, they don't seem too much different from any of us when we jostle over and around others to get close to the politician or to the CEO or to the donor or to the celebrity. One of the commentators on this text notes that we are people today who crave the 21st century equivalent of reclining on the center couch nearest the people who have the power to make our dreams come true. And then here comes Jesus, striding into this meal and blowing it all up. Let me tell you a parable. Jesus says. There's a clue in that. And the clue is that Jesus is not here to simply dispense advice on proper table manners. No, Jesus is telling a story that is meant to paint a picture. A picture of what God's kingdom looks like. A kingdom that as it happens stands just as much today in opposition to what is customary and acceptable as it did way back then. In God's kingdom, Jesus seems to say with this story, people will be identified not by their job title, rabbi, or cantor, or janitor, or pastor, or teacher, or CEO, or politician. People will not be identified by their degrees, or their material wealth, or their club memberships, 
or the social circles they do or do not travel in. Instead, in God's kingdom, people will be known first and foremost by their humility. You want to follow Jesus Christ, this story seems to say, (laughs) then make room for others. Expand the invitation list. Take the lowest place. You want to follow Jesus Christ, this story seems to say, then start assuming that you do not know everything. Y'all been on the internet lately? Kind of feels like we're living in a time when everyone thinks they know everything. Followers of Jesus Christ assume that they do not know everything. You want to follow me, Jesus says, then you should also start assuming that you are not the greatest person in the room. There is a Messiah, and none of us are him. You want to follow Jesus Christ, this story seems to say, then assume you are not the most important person either. You know, it's interesting in these times that we live which are so rife with division and with storms of both the literal and the metaphorical variety. Times that are so rife with violence that is carried on every new breaking news banner. So rife with exclusion and dogmatism and extremism of all flavors. Jesus comes teaching us humility. Jesus comes telling us that it is not your wealth or your power or your status that will usher in God's kingdom. It is your humility. That humility is what will make this world more beautiful and more just. That humility is what will usher in God's kingdom. When we talk about God's kingdom, I think sometimes we forget that we're not just talking about that kingdom to come when Jesus returns. We're talking about here and now. If you want to glimpse the kingdom of God, Jesus says, then start with yourself and ask yourself, how humble am I really? I have this friend named Tara. She pastors a church in Alabama. Tara is an incredible pastor, an amazing preacher, a really wonderful person. She came to the Christian faith late in life as an adult. Her childhood was spent growing up in rural western North Carolina, and it was not always the easiest of childhoods. She says that although we never went hungry in our home, we also didn't always know where the next meal would come from. When Tara was eight, her mom and her two younger siblings and her mom's then boyfriend, her mom didn't always have the best taste in boyfriends, they decided to take a trip to New York City, kind of the polar opposite of rural western North Carolina. This is where this boyfriend was from, and he decided it would be a good idea to take the family to meet his family there in New York. 
And so they piled into the family car and they drove up 95. And Tara, telling the story, talks about how even as an eight-year-old, she could tell the moment they walked into this guy's family apartment that his family, they were not excited to see him. She said it was awkward and weird right from the get-go. And so after a little time had passed that first day, they decided to get out of the apartment and go to the grocery store. And so Tara and her siblings and her mom and the boyfriend piled into the car. And no sooner had they pulled away from the curb and taken a few turns, they got pulled over by the NYPD. It turns out this boyfriend also had a few outstanding warrants for his arrest. And so there in this foreign city, he was put in handcuffs and loaded in the car and taken away to jail. And Tara and her mom and her two siblings were left alone with no idea how to get back to the apartment they had come from, much less how to get home to the state where they lived. And so they got back in the car and her mom, now driving, began going in circles, essentially. (laughs) Tara says, in the back seat, I was sort of the typical unhelpful eight-year-old pointing out to my mom every time we passed the same landmark, just around and around and around for hours until it got dark. And her mom finally pulled the car to the curb in front of a Catholic church. And she got the kids out, and they walked up to the door of the church and knocked. And when a young priest answered the door, the first thing her mother said to him was, listen, I haven't been to church in a really long time, but I'm in trouble and I need help. Looking back as an adult on this memory, Tara thinks that what her mom was really saying at that door to the priest was, listen, I'm not one of your people. I'm not on the invite list. You can look for me on the seating chart, but you won't see my name anywhere on that paper. I'm a nobody. Will you help me anyways? After a moment, the priest invited the family through that door and took them through the hallways until they got to the church kitchen. And he made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the kids and spooned out leftover soup from the priest's meal that night. And after making sure they were okay, he gave her mother enough money to get home and sent them on their way. I'm a nobody. Well, I'm a nobody too. Come on in. You know, Tara, she doesn't say it quite like this. But listening to her recount this memory from her childhood, you get the sense that it is the direct result of the humility that her mother showed in asking for help. And the humility that that priest showed in opening the door that changed the course of her life. That there, that night, in that church, at that door, in that kitchen, that eight-year-old girl glimpsed a world that was very different than the one she had known to that point. A world where the lowly are lifted up. 
A world where the unexpected stranger is invited in and given the place of honor. A world where a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and leftover soup served in a church kitchen bathed in flickering fluorescent light can constitute the very banquet feast of Jesus Christ himself. That that night at that door in that kitchen, that eight-year-old girl glimpsed a world where gifts that can never be repaid are freely given. And where people who are nobody are finally and forever enough. Friends, may that world be ours And may it be ours to share. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.